Carl here from Games Brains and Head Banging Life, and you're about to watch and listen to a very long but very detailed interview that took place with Wes Hoffman. An active member of the St. Louis and Midwest punk scene in the early 2000s, Wes Hoffman took a hiatus from music for several years before coming back into the fold in 2017. After a few musical collaborations with drummer Justin Yunterich, Wes decided he couldn't keep the music bottled up anymore and began releasing songs again. He's got a passion for punk beats, loud guitars, and a penchant for honest emotional lyrics. Wes is back with friends and recently shared his most meaningful song of 2021, starting with the single What's Left of Me. What's Left of Me was released on March 5th on all major streaming platforms and was released along with a music video, which you are just about to see a little snippet of in a bit. Wes is also known for his former and current podcast, The Strange House, and Wes Hoffman with friends respectively. Now in this interview, we talk about Wes's entire career from his early days, what got him into music, what attracted him to the punk rock scene, and what brought him back after his hiatus. There's a very personal stories in here, very personal details, so it is very fascinating. We also discuss aspects of horror, video games, and the wider world of music. You're in for a blast, so sit back and enjoy. First things first, man, um, although we've been talking already for the sake of a cut and edited interview, how is your day going so far? It's going okay. So far, so good. The sun's shining. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a great day so far. Okay, bigger picture then. The last 12 months, the COVID era, so to speak. How have you been, how have you personally been holding up? I've been actually doing pretty okay. Um, like right before COVID, I moved into a new, a new apartment by myself, um, which you would think would be tough, but it's actually been good for me. Like I enjoyed some of the alone time. It was tough at times for sure, um, not being able to see people, but um, I've played a lot of video games, like you mentioned. I've watched a lot of movies and um, over the last six months or so, um, I've really, I did a little bit of traveling as well, some hiking, I went outside and, um, my my lady and I we uh, we did a lot of hiking this past summer and fall, and um, uh, for the last six months or so, I've really been focused on my music, writing, recording, and now um, you know, two a little over two weeks ago, I released this song, and um, that's been really really fun. So uh, I'm actually doing pretty okay <laughs> so far, so good. Okay, that's good. What what's been keeping you busy then? Uh, don't like. Uh... You say you've been going at walks and the last six months doing the music, but what about like work, stuff like that? Is that that day-to-day like stuff? Work has, um, yeah, so I work, um, I'm a recruiter for a, a Nestle Purina, which is a dog food company here. And uh, yeah, and uh, I've been working from home pretty much this entire, uh, for an entire year. I went back into the office for a month um, back in the summer, but decided to stay home for a little while and um, uh, 
yeah, I mean, I, that's, you know, I'm usually pretty busy throughout the day with work, um, you know, but then once work's over, um, you know, I'll usually head to my studio or, um, you know, I've been getting, I've, I have recently started working out at a gym and stuff like that. So um, I've been going on a ton of walks in the evenings and stuff like that. So trying to get out of the house as much as I can, as safely as I can. Hmm. You've got a ton of positives. Normally our next question is basically we try to focus on the positive aspect because people can get so bogged down with the COVID thing and the crap, particularly when you're, when you're an artist and in a band and you've not been able to tour and you've not been able to do this. So we've kind of like to ask people, well, what positives have you been able to take from this period? But from what you're saying, everything. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it has been good. And, um, you know, I, I was looking forward to playing some shows this year for sure, or last year, 2020. Um, but one, a really good thing that came out of this was it kind of, I can't play shows, but I can record. And, mm. um, you know, I have a, I have a practice a rehearsal space here and um, there's a recording studio there. And so um, I just decided, Hey, I'm going to, I wrote some really good songs and I wanted to record them and get them down. And um, I feel like that's almost been, it kind of forced me to take that step and to actually like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna go into the studio and do this. And um, I feel like in, in a way this, that gave me the chance to almost kind of rebrand my music and my, myself as an art, as, as a musician as well. So um, that's, it's been good. <laughs> it's been better than I expected. And I, sometimes I, I know a lot of people have been going through tough times. So sometimes I feel bad saying, you know, oh, it's been pretty good for me, but um, I really don't have too many complaints at this point. <laughs> Other than I want to play a show and I want to be able to go to a bar and drink with my friends in a safe way. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you shouldn't feel, I uh, understand the guilt for me, you shouldn't. And generally, it, one of the most incredible things, again, is, again, talking to a white, and we're talking about bands from Australia all the way up to Scandinavian countries, to our own home territories. And we're always constantly surprised by how many have said you know what this period while forced and obviously no live music has been good for them because it's kind of forced you off the road and maybe you've been able to take time with an album or take time with music or started something you've never done before it's great to hear that yeah or even time even time with your family or you know like with, with I feel like um you know I I met a I have a new girlfriend and um We've, I feel like we've talked about this several times, like if it wasn't for having to stay home and not being able to go out and do things that we normally do when the world is going at its normal pace, we've been able to spend a lot of quality time together just at home, talking, um, you know, doing things, spending time getting to know each other better too. So I feel like that's definitely a positive thing is, um, uh, you know, it can help, it, it, it just has, it caused everybody to slow down a little bit. Mm. Mm. yeah yeah but it's been slow for a year now it'd be nice if things started speeding up just a little yeah. bit uh, yeah just just kick it up a notch or two <laughs> <laughs> so dude we're gonna go we're gonna go back to the start uh for you growing up then where did your interest in music start from it's a broad question but yeah. what you can you remember yeah well uh, my mom is a big music person um she's an amazing pianist um played the piano, taught me and my sisters how to play piano when we were little. And, um, you know, wow. probably, I think when we were starting at probably age four or five, she started teaching us how to play the piano. And 
Um, I always just thought it was really cool. Um, I kind of grew out of the piano. I didn't want to, I got to about the fifth grade and I wanted to stop. I just did lost interest in it a little bit. Mm. I started playing sports and, you know, video games and um, things like that. So I got, I grew out of that a little bit, but um, I always did like the idea of putting notes together in a certain pattern and, and, oh, it's cool that I can play this song that, uh, you know, on the piano. And then, um, I, I started getting really interested in the guitar and my parents got me a guitar. My mom had one um, and they got me one. And uh, that was, you know, I heard, are you familiar with the band MXPX? Mm, no, that doesn't ring a bell. No. They're like, a, they're a punk band from the West coast here in the United States. Okay. And, um, I, I heard that they were one of the first bands that I heard and I thought that they were just great. And that's how I got into punk rock and, then of course, um, you know, right around that time that I was that age, about fifth grade, um, like No Effects, um, Green Day, The Offspring, um, Rancid, all of these bands were starting to get a lot of like commercial success and it was be becoming easier to find these punk rock bands. And so um, that's really, you know, I, then when I got into, when I got good enough, through junior high and high school to actually play I grew up in a really small town so like when I found some guys in high school that would uh, actually could play drums or play the bass like I started a band and um, I mean it's just kind of a normal like uh, you know punk rock you know story of starting a band in your garage and mm. it was just yeah it was just really fun I, I really have I've always just enjoyed um, just on a personal level too um, I like performing. I like being in front of people. And I even like, you know, I've done my own podcast for uh, like six or seven years. Um, so I really just enjoy kind of putting on a show for people and creating something. And, you know, um, that's kind of just part of me and who I am. Mm. Was there a specific point, though? I mean, beyond the meeting a few guys in school and uh rocking out that way was there a specific point where you were, were like okay I'm going to try and take this dare I say seriously yeah yeah so I when I was in high school and um like in my early 20s I really wanted to take it seriously um I actually stopped playing music though then in like around my mid-20s I got a you know that's it's that classic story I got a job um, at the time I, you know, I had met my, my ex-wife and we were, had moved in together and everything. And I was like, I've been kind of taking this adult thing a little bit more seriously and, um, kind of got off that path of playing music. And, um, it was probably, it's been about three and a half years now that, um, I got, have really gotten back in. It's probably been about five, but, um, with this project was just my solo music. Um, I've really, it's been about three and a half years that I've really started taking it serious again and thinking, Hey, I, you know, I might be old, but <laughs> I, I, I can still record and put out music and, you know, I'm not going to just let my age and the fact that I have a job and all these other things like hinder me from doing something that I love and that I enjoy. And, um, yeah, I, I but I quit, I didn't play for about eight years I didn't even pick up guitar or anything like that mm. so um this has really been awesome for me to kind of like take my shot I guess <laughs> at doing this again and it's been really fun 
it's incredible that you would have stopped playing, as you say, so completely for such a long time and then found your way back to it um, completely. When you first got, when you first re-picked up the guitar effectively, what, what was that experience like? Was it very dust, well, were you very dusty, so to speak? Oh my God, yeah. I would say probably like, it took me about a year to get back to, oh yeah, I mean, your fingers, like now mm. I can pick up a guitar and you know, I can just fly up and down the fretboard. And when I very first picked it up though, it was like your hand, your muscles, I mean, your muscles have memory to a degree, but you know, just getting everything down, it took a long time. It, it, I, like it was still there. I still knew all the chords and the scales and stuff like that. Um, but it definitely, I was very, very rusty. Um, and I think also confidence, like mm. I didn't have a lot of confidence because I, you know, I had all this knowledge of the guitar, but like, I didn't, I had to get back to, I had to get my chops back and get back to like play, being able to play efficiently and play well. And, um, you know, I didn't have the same confidence that I did when I was younger. And, um, and even being older, you kind of think, I thought in my head, oh, I'm, should I even be doing this? This seems kind of silly. Should I be picking up a guitar again? Like, but I got over all that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Look at some of the bands you named as well. I realize there are some giants of the scenes, but it's not like the Offspring and the Green Green Day are kids anymore themselves. Oh yeah. I mean, they the guys in the Offspring they've got it and Green Day probably like they've got to be in their fifties almost now. Like I, I saw uh, the Offspring. I saw the Offspring play. Um, here in St. Louis a few years ago and like they're still great musicians but yeah I mean people <laughs> we get older <laughs> and if they're still doing it and they're still you know they still have the same energy on stage that they did when you know back in 1994 like then I can do it too so it's yeah it's actually pretty inspirational for sure yeah yeah absolutely and like go back to before you initially put down the guitar and hung up the music so to speak was the success of those bands you mentioned the pop punk and punk rock scene so to speak so we're talking like the early noughties the the real high point before we moved into what they kind of refers to the emo style of music was that very at the time very encouraging was that what you kind of wanted to model yourself on oh yeah absolutely i mean i was a huge fan of uh, Blink-182, Green Day, like like all of those bands that were really mm. kind of breaking through at the time into the mainstream. Um, that was really encouraging to me, for sure. Um, there's actually a documentary. You can find it on YouTube. It's called 1994. And it's about the year 1994 when those really big bands, uh, Blink-182, Green Day, The Offspring. And there's, uh, there's a few, there's a couple. There's another one that I'm missing. Um, I mean, No Effects is also an, another big one that's let that mm. stick out my mind. But there were four really big bands at the time that like kind of broke through. I don't, I don't know why I'm, I'm gonna be kicking myself that I can't remember the fourth one. But, um, but like that in that that time in 1994, things really, you know, I think even Nirvana was like a big break in just kind of pushing forward alternative music and. Um, into the mainstream and kind of paved the way for a lot of these like punk rock bands to kind of become more mainstream you know what I mean mm, and it was mm. super encouraging for me I was only you know I was 11 years old at the time and to see bands like that like um, you know jumping around on stage and, and having fun and um, 
I mean, punk rock has been around for a really long time, but like, again, I grew up in a small town. So like, I didn't really have access. The internet wasn't like it is now. Um, you know, I didn't have access to MTV and, and those types of things. But when you started, when I started to, as things progressed, like, and I started to get my hands on these things, it was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Like, I want to do that. Like, I, I, it just connected with it really, you know, it was like something that I really wanted to, that I felt like the spirit of, of that music was something that really caught my attention. Mm-hmm. What about, did you uh, find yourself going back to the earlier days of the scene, uh, the early days of punk? So we're talking things like the Ramones and the Sex Pistols and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I am just a fan of like all things punk. Like I love the Ramones. I love the Sex Pistols. I love learning about all, all of these different bands, um, even going back to like Iggy and the Stooges um, or the Stooges, like going way back to some of that stuff that was like borderline psychedelic rock and then, you know, or borderline punk rock, psychedelic rock, and then getting into the different scenes. Like, you know, in Washington, D.C., there was Minor Threat and Black Flag. Or, you know, I think Black Flag was California, but like there were all these bands, these movements happening. And it just seemed like such an exciting time that uh, for all things music. And in California, there was there was the whole skate punk thing happening. And um, it, it was it's just really, really cool stuff to uh, to dive into and learn about. And then of course, you know, there's the clash and, uh, you know, other things that were happening over in England and stuff like that. And um, uh, bands that were really big and um, just monumental. If it wasn't for those guys, like, and even going into metal um, as, you know, sometimes I like to go back and, and, you know, listen to bands, like listen to some Ozzy Osbourne or some Black Sabbath or some old Metallica and learn some of those riffs because if it wasn't for those guys that were playing, you know, back in the eighties, um, we wouldn't have the bands that we have today. We're influenced, we were all influenced by them in some way, you know what I mean? Or we were influenced by a band that was influenced by them, you know? Um, so it's all really interesting stuff. I, I love diving in and like, I could spend hours. There's so much that I don't know <laughs> still, mm. you know, about old music and um, all that kind of stuff. It is a little weird to to kind of think about like when I was growing up, um, you know, Nirvana was was pretty new. Um, and now like Nirvana's played on the cl classic rock stations here, you know. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't think I was that that old. <laughs> We do a um, we do a series called Track by Track where we pick out an album at random and basically talk about each track individually and so on. And uh, we pulled out In Utero recently, oh, okay. and it's probably been about fifteen years since I've listened to that album. And it was kind of just that moment of being like, "Oh yeah, this is a really old band now. This is how people know generations." I have a son who's eighteen years old this month, and it's like, yeah, he'll he'll know the name Nirvana, but that will be it. Yeah. That's incredible. yeah. Yeah. And even bands, you know, further back, it, it's just crazy to me, like a, a band like Oasis, um, <laughs> you know, some of the, some of the people that I work with that are, you know, they're in their early twenties and I'll be like, Oh yeah. I remember when that, that album came out when I was in high school and it was just so, I played that album. What's the story morning glory from front to back thousands of times, like just, and I actually went back and listened to it last week and, 
every song is just an absolute banger on that album. Like <laughs> whether that's your, your type of music or not, like they're just really well-written songs, you know? But it's, it's funny. It speaks for itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny that, that, you know, now we're at that age where people are just like, wait, what is it again? Oasis? Like, <laughs> I have a funny feeling people that'll be watching this right now will be trying to work out based off just by our images. What age are these people? I'm not going to say mine <laughs> and you're not going to say yours, but um, yeah, try and put it together on that. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to pick a bit more into your taste then because talk a lot about punk rock and all that, but you've mentioned obviously other bands as well. So do you have a wide array of music you listen to? Are you solely focused on punk rock? Do you like to listen to a lot of metal, a lot of rock, pop, R&B and so on? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a great question. I mean, punk rock is what I just kind of naturally gravitate towards. Like I, I joke about like, I feel like punk rock's in my DNA. It's like mm. a part of who I am. Um, but I do kind of listen to a little bit of everything. Um, I, you know, on Sunday mornings, I like to kind of turn on some um, like old, old R&B, like um, soul, kind of oh. like uh, The Temptations or Marvin Gaye, Al Green. I love to listen to some of that stuff or even some of the newer like Leon Bridges, um, you know, metal. I, I, I wasn't a, like kind of a hard metalcore band back in the day. So um, every once in a while, you know, I, I like to I like to listen to some metal or some old Led Zeppelin, um, you know, stuff like that. So I, I'm kind of open to everything. And then, um, you know, my my girlfriend is really into like singer songwriter stuff. So um, a lot of like stuff like Wilco and um, uh, John Moreland, you know, just kind of like a almost kind of country Americana type stuff. So I'm really into that as well, um, or I've been getting into that more. Um, but I'm really into just kind of, uh, I, I like things to have melody, though. That's a big thing mm. with me. Is if it has a, if you heard, have heard my song, like you probably can get that, is that like, I like catchy melodies. And I like, um, even in the guitars, like I like something, I like hooks something that's going to reel me in like at the very beginning and 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 you can get that with with metal and hardcore too you know um but it's it, it, you can get really get that with anything but when stuff gets a little bit too um uh i don't know i don't even know how to how to describe it when it gets when the melody gets lost a little bit too much i i start to get lost a little bit too yeah i'm thinking in my head all right, yeah, you're probably not going to enjoy slam death metal and grindcore and stuff like that. That is just the wall of noise. Aren't you? Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'll listen to those bands a little bit, but then I'll kind of be like, all right, you know, maybe I'm ready to switch up to something else. So, and, but I will say that metalcore and um, hardcore music, it's really, really fun to play on stage. <laughs> mm, mm, it's, it's, it's there's a reason why both those genres uh like a lot of young and up-and-coming bands are based particularly in the metalcore side of things and a lot of the i mean big bands don't really exist anymore in regards to new bands being made but when the ones that we see rising up the ranks tend to lean towards that kind of metalcore sound people like architects and stuff like that you know yeah, parkway drive yeah. the new architects are you uh are you a fan i'm a big fan of architects not a huge fan of the new album like it don't love it Sure, sure. Okay, yeah, I I have listened to it a few times through, and I'm I'm I I haven't really listened to a lot of their older stuff, but I've you know the new one has definitely hooked me. There there's a lot of hooky type stuff, you know. Mm. We're just a bunch of fucking animals. <laughs> <laughs> 
it is, it's one of those where I can easily sit back and go, you know what, even though it's maybe not resonating as well with me, I completely could understand and see why it will resonate with a wider audience. And it, it, I, I just want bands to be successful. So sure. man, if it don't work for me, sweet, it's working for everyone else, go. Sure. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because we're running into a problem in the, uh, this country, this scene, I don't know how it is, um, how you find it where you are and in the American scene, where we're going to slowly run out of headliners, effectively, festival headliners, because there's only so many times you can book Metallica and Sabbath and Iron Maiden, and a lot of these bands are coming to the end of their careers or have already wrapped it up in the case of Slayer and stuff like that. And you're looking for the future headliners. And That's a good point. And where are they? And that's kind of like, and because of the world we live in with the streaming and the lack of physical sales and the need to tour to earn that money, you're kind of sitting there a bit worrying about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is different, you know, because like a lot of those bands that you mentioned, like Metallica and Slayer, like, um, or even a band like The Offspring, like in Green Day, you know, nowadays it's like we all have our phones here and and you can just, you know, it's not it's not how it used to be when the, when those bands were up and coming, you know, and, and when they were really at, um, at the height of their popularity, it's like now every, it's so fragmented. It's like, mm. um, oh, well, I know I know one song by Architects, like, you know, but I'm not I don't know their whole discography. I, you know, I just kind of know this new album because everybody's been talking about it. And they were on what the lead singer was on a neck deep song a few albums back. And like, you know, you kind of know them and, but I don't, that wouldn't be enough to draw me to come to a festival. You know, there would have to be a bunch of other bands to, if they were headlining, like there would have to be a bunch of other bands supporting that I knew that would, to get me to go, you know? Yeah. Do you think, do you think you're well switched on, well kind of in tune with this modern way of doing music, the streaming side of things, the YouTube, the fact that realistically you're going to put a song out there and sweet, you'll get X amount of views, but it might not be what you hope for and you'll be obsessing over that number? Uh, yes and no. Um, like it, you know, when I was growing up, it, we were, like this, this was all just so foreign, even to make a music video was so, was just, I wouldn't even know how to start. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like I had seen, you know, when I put these song, this newest song out, um, I had seen how a lot of other bands were doing it where, you know, they put the music video out first and then a few days later they put out the song. And now it's all about like, if you can get on these popular playlists and, um, if you can get enough people on social media talking about your song and your music and sharing it. And, um, you know, in a way it's like, you can't just, you have to be a social media influencer as well as a musician. You have to really be putting stuff out there and, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's tough. And so I, I didn't, um, I'm, I would say I'm still learning a lot about this new, um, digital age. Like it is, um, you know, of course, I have goals with what I want the song to do, and uh, we're getting we're pretty on track with um, where I want that to be within the first month of it being released. Um, it's only been out for two and a half weeks, so <laughs> yeah, but, time. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, but I'm pretty happy with um, you know it's it's getting a lot of uh, attention and a lot of people that I you know what's really cool is when I was growing up, like you would have to kind of play out around your hometown 
And that's how people would know about you is if you played concerts and you would try to get on with bigger local bands mm. and, you know, and you play out as much as you could and you'd pass out flyers and you, you try to get, you know, put up posters at the record store and stuff like that. And um, that's how you would get people to know. And, and if you were just out at shows talking to people and be like, you know, Hey, I'm Wes Hoffman, I'm in this band or whatever. It was all word of mouth. And and that, and you know if you got big in your town then you could kind of like uh people would kind of hear in the next city you know in kansas city missouri they might be like oh yeah i heard wes hoffman in in st louis is like a big name there um now it's like i'm talking to you and you're in london and you know i'm talking to people in new, new jersey and new york and we you know there's people in canada and spain and norway and poland who and australia and new zealand who have been listening to my music and that's just blows my mind it's like you know and and i feel like there's this group of people that have been listening to my music but there's still you know not a lot of it's like the opposite now it's like now you can reach everyone as opposed to just people where you're geographically located so that's mm. it's kind of crazy it's you know there might be somebody in um germany who my song is their favorite song right now and <laughs> i've never met that person i don't i don't know them they've never seen me play live but they heard it on some playlist and you know it's they've listened to it 50 times already like, like so uh, that's really really cool to me that's really exciting um but yeah it's hard it's hard not to you know i i really felt like this time um you know i'm older and i really wanted to like push this music out and get people to listen so um yeah, that's all that I really asked for is like, just if you're if you're if you're listening to this podcast, like, just listen to my song one time. That's all I ask. You don't yeah, have to, yeah. like, you know, just give it a shot. Yeah, short attention spans be damned. I mean, it's a couple of minutes. You can you can you can give a few minutes to uh, listen to the song. We'll get a bit more into it in a bit as well, specifically about the song. But sticking to the social media thing, the bigger question I got to ask: Do you like it though? Or is it just a necessary evil, as you say, in regards to pushing out the music? Yeah, I I like social media. I really mm. do. Um, you know, I have to, there's been times where I've taken it way too seriously and that where I was posted all the time and always felt like I needed to be creating content. And now I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, it just, if I don't post for a while, it's okay. People aren't mm. going to forget about me. Like I'm still here, you know? Um, I, I would say now I'm kind of, it's kind of a love hate thing you know like um it's not it's not like i like sometimes i wish it didn't exist because i feel like it in way in some ways it it like disconnects us more um you know back in the day people would call me on the phone and they'd be like hey wes how are you doing some my friend might call me out of the blue while i'm on my way home from work and we might talk for an hour mm. and now that friend doesn't feel like he has to call me because he can look at my Facebook or my Instagram and see what my latest post was and see, oh, Wes is doing fine. I don't need to talk with him or catch up with him. I just caught up with him. I just looked at his Facebook. And so we're kind of missing that interpersonal connection, you know, because of social media, um, which I prefer sometimes to just like, um, you know, with some of my best friends and, and with my girlfriend, like, even though she just lives like a couple of miles away, like, I don't mind talking on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, you know, I have friends all over the country and sometimes it's nice to like have that conversation, especially, you know, dealing with COVID. Um, it's been nice to have 
have every once in a while, hey, let's let's talk on the phone. Let's FaceTime. Let's like actually spend some quality time talking and catching up. Um, I enjoy that. No, that's that's fair. That's fair. I don't think again, I've spoken to anyone that ever really says anything positive about the social media aspect. It's always just <laughs> we have to do it because we need to push our music out. And we need to push this and so on. And it's just it is. And um, it never used to be that way, as you said, and it's kind of got on its way over the last, I don't know, it feels maybe the last two years. I don't know. I, I, I'm i not personally, you know, I'm not a fan. I, I have a social media account to push my website and stuff sure. out. That's it. <laughs> you know, but yeah, um, moving on from that, we've talked a little bit about the simple fact that you play guitar, but we don't want to let people know that that's far from the only thing you actually do particularly when it comes to your music. I want to talk about your lyrical inspiration more than anything okay. else here. And this comes from really where you draw it from. Is it real life experiences, shared stuff, life in general, looking out your window and seeing chaos and thinking that's something I can write about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've really, with, you know, recently I've really tried to sit down and um, kind of channel like, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? And sometimes the words come out and they don't seem, I have to make them make sense. You know, like um, a lot of times I'll have a melody in my head for a chorus or a verse and I'll think, okay, how can I match up the words that I want to say with this? Um, but yeah, I've really just been, lately I have been pulling a lot from uh, personal experience. You know, I went through um, a separation, I'm going through a divorce. Um, I, you know, I, moved, I, I basically, like, I got this new job. Um, I basically, at the begin around this time last year or a little bit before, I kind of started my life over. Um, mm. And, you know, that I want to tell people like, if you want to start over, that you can. It like, will it be hard? Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it will be hard, but like, sometimes you have to go through those dark times to get through the happy get to get through to the better times or sometimes you're in a dark time and you want to get back to the happy time and uh or you or you want your life to be something better and um you know i had to make a lot of tough decisions and and change a lot of things around but um that's what i want to kind of convey in my songs is that like um you know you can make a change and and it, it is tough it's hard um, I'm a lot happier now than I was a year ago, than I was a year and a half ago, two years ago. I'm in a much better place. Um, but it was because of tough decisions that I made for myself to be better, to, you know, that, um, to decide on what I wanted and, and to follow that. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot. And, um, but I, that's really what I, where I've been drawing these songs from now is, um, that personal experience and just, um, I went through some tough times, Carl. <laughs> yeah, um, but I'm better I, I, for it now, you know. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't say for a second I can relate in regards to that. I can just uh, empathize, and I'm so happy to hear that you're in a better place uh, than you were. Were you not daunted by the idea of bearing your soul potentially to a wider audience, though? Oh yeah, I mean that was definitely. I mean that's always scary you know um that's always kind of part of it is hey i'm i'm putting it all out here on the line for everybody to see but um i've always been that i've always kind of been the person who wears the heart on my sleeve um you know and and i think that is 
part of the game is that not everybody's going to like it. It's not for exactly what you were saying earlier. It's not for everybody. Mm. Uh, somebody doesn't, I kind of had to come to terms with like, if I'm going to put this out and a lot of people are going to listen to it, then a lot of people might not like it. You know, mm. um, I like it and I'm proud of it. So that's really kind of all that matters to me. If somebody, you know, I don't like every single kind of music. Um, I don't like every single band out there. So you know that's just how it's going to be and it did take me a while to kind of come to terms with that for sure no that's completely understandable uh but what happens <laughs> what happens if in a year or two down the line everything is everything is perfect man hunky-dory oh you yeah use for inspiration then <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'll have to <laughs> i'll have to tell you now. i'll have to tell you later i'll tell Fair you when I <laughs> no worries no worries so Wes Hoffman and Friends. That's very important is the title. So can you go into detail about how you, how this, the Friends part came together effectively? Sure, sure. So for, um, for a while I was just, I was going by Wes Hoffman Positive Punk. Um, you know, because I like the idea of um, punk rock and having it be a positive thing, having, having fun at our shows. We jump around a lot. Um, and, you know, when I put these songs out, um, I, I do, uh, you know, I write the songs, um, I play the guitar, uh, I played all the instruments on the recording except for drums. Um, my good friend, um, Hez Retinue, he played drums, he, he plays drums and we're very good. Um, he, he's an incredible drummer and he's a very good creative partner to have. And, um, you know, what I really wanted to kind of show was, hey, it's Wes Hoffman and friends. It's me and my friends playing music together. Uh, so when we play live, my best friend, Jacob, um, we've been be we've been best friends for 20 years he plays bass um and then one of my friends uh, we've only been friends for three or four years but johnny he plays guitar so it's all um friends of mine and that's what it's important that's important to me is that like i've always enjoyed playing music with my friends and hmm. i've always wanted there to be like um you know i've never wanted to necessarily like look at playing a music as a job i've like always liked to Hey, this is kind of a brotherhood. This is a camaraderie. When we when we have practice, like we hang out, we have a couple of beers, um, you know, we play video games and stuff like that. Like it, it's more of um, more of that type of thing. So, um, you know, and I I had also been I want I I wanted to use my own name as well because I had done several other projects um, around here in the area that people had known me from and I had my own business for a while and I had a podcast and stuff and so um I I just felt like I'm doing a lot of the songwriting I'm kind of leading the way in this project um you know I I I wasn't ashamed to put my name on it <laughs> no absolutely um when you are so integrated integral to that particular I mean everything is you so it's you sure. um, what, what what would you I mean, this is, this is hyperbole more than anything else. Would you be comfortable at ever opening the door for the Am Friends part to contribute in the future? Is that something you've considered, talked about, discussed? Oh, sure, sure. I mean, you know, I like, I like the idea. This is just how I am. I like, mm. um, you know, being the main player. Um, I like, you know, writing the skeleton of the songs. And um, I would say, that, you know, especially with the drums, like, um with uh Hez Retinue, we we um his his, his nickname is Hez so H-E-S so <laughs> if I say that that's what, 
what I'm, who I'm referring to, uh, you know, I will kind of give him a demo and I'll be like, hey, here's what I'm thinking with on the drums. And he'll add his own flair to it and that type of thing. And then, um, you know, I, I demo out a lot of the songs and give them to the guys and say, hey, here's what I'm thinking on guitar. But like, you know, if you have, I, I'm open to your input as well, you know? And um, I feel like these couple songs and I'm, I'm looking to go into the studio soon again and uh, record a few more songs. Like I really, it was really important to me to be a part of, um, to, to be the main player and do all of that myself. Um, mm. I really wanted to do that, um, you know, but I'm definitely open to them in the future. Like, hey, let's kind of write together. I, I do feel like two heads are better than one. Um, sometimes it's okay, you know, hey, here's the best that I can do. Here's what I got. Like, what, a, what, a, what can you guys add to this to make it better? You know, and I would, I would be a fool if somebody came to me with just some sick riff or like an awesome drum beat or something, a really cool bass line to be like, no, I didn't come up. I'm, I don't have that big of an ego to be like, no, well, if it's not my bass line, it's not going on the record, you know? So, um. <laughs> no, that's completely understandable, but you, 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 you must completely be aware that uh, when people see a name on a, a band that uh, they do think ego. Oh, sure. I'm sure they do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's not necessarily like, I don't feel like that's, that's where it's coming from for me. You mm. know what I mean? Like, this is more of just like, Hey, this is me putting, um, you know, I'm, I'm the leader of the band. I'm putting all the effort into it. I'm writing the songs I'm recording. I'm the driving force behind it. And, you know, I'm sure people can think that, but, or they do, um, you know, but whatever <laughs> yeah yeah because there's another side to it there's another side to it i think uh is probably more important than what majority of people actually do which is in my case for example obviously when uh i got all your details i was like okay what's this about who's this guy because i london uk be honest never heard of you man and uh, instantly it was like okay cool this must you must have a stellar you must have a big background you must have a background and you end up Googling and finding out and looking going, oh, okay, this is, this is why and so on. So I think the opposite side to thinking, okay, there's a guy and he's got an ego is, oh, actually, maybe he actually has backstory. Let's find out what that backstory is and learn sure, some stuff sure. about you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, no, I, I think that's that's cool, man. What, what did you find when you Googled me? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was awful, man. So much social media crap. <laughs> not at all, not at all. <laughs> You've never Googled your own name. You must have Googled your own name. Oh, I, I mean, it's been a long time, but yeah, I think everybody's Googled their own name before. <laughs> there, there are several Wes Hoffmans out there as well, so. Of course, of course. It's a pretty, it's a, pretty, it's a fairly common name, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we want to, you know, we focus a lot on the positivity and positivity in your music and the message you want to send. And that is kind of the point with the new single, What's Left of Me, released March 5th, 2021. Whatever you stream, you can go listen to this. If you've got YouTube, go listen to it there. Now, you already talked about what you wanted to say and so on, but it is still wrapped up in this positive bubble. So explain how you portray that. Oh yeah, man. I would say, um, you know, especially with this song, like, um, there's dark times. We all go through dark times. So I used to be the kind of person that was like, oh, you know, life is great. Life can be 
whatever you want to make it. And like, that's, I, I still stand by that to a degree, mm. but there are things that happen like COVID um, people in our lives pass away and die. Um, we go through divorces, our relationships end, um, our pets die. Like, you know, I'm sure I don't have any kids, but I'm sure being a parent, that's a whole world of things that you have to like, a whole big learning experience. So, um, you know, what I really wanted to share with people on this is like, um, that a, I think we need to be there. Everybody goes through dark times at like mm. life. There are like, I don't know a single person where at the end of their life, they would say, Oh no, you know, everything was perfect. And you know, everything was beautiful and nothing hurt. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I think we all go through dark times, but it's the idea of trying to stay positive during those times of, hey, I can make it through this and I have friends and I had to remember that like, you know, there's a line in there that talks about like, I've got your number, it's in the back of my mind. And that was kind of saying, hey, I'm thinking about reaching out to somebody because I need help. Mm. And, and I want my friends to know that like they can reach out to me too. And a lot of times, again, like going back to that social media conversation, like we, we feel like we're separated from each other, we're disconnected or we can't reach out. Um, and then, um, you know, on, on the flip side, also just saying like, you know, the chorus that like um, going through those dark times taught me that I can make it through and that I am, um, you know, in, in my darkest hours where I found my power, like kind of that idea of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Like, I feel like that's really, um, even though things got a little dark the last few, few years for me, two or three years, um, you know, I made it through it and um, that I have hope um, that things will get better and that like not everything, you know, when I say you and me were never meant to be, um, not everything is meant for us. Like life is very fluid and relationships are fluid. Relationships end, friendships end, um, jobs. We move on from one job to another, you know, that um, and, and, you know, really hitting on the title then too is what's left of me, you know, when I got through and I, I got this new job, I, I, a relationship ended and um, I moved into this new apartment. Like I finally was able to kind of sit down and be like, okay, like <laughs> I kind of what's left here. Like, where am I in my life again? And um, in a, in, in a weird way, some kind of like midlife crisis kind of type thing where it's like, okay, where am I? What I, what am I, who am I again? Like I, it was almost like I lost myself in like all these things that I was trying to hold on to, you know? Um, and when I let go, it was like now, you know, a year ago when I moved into this apartment, now I'm in this, you know, if I, when I look back from a year ago to now, now I've got this new song out, like things are really good, things are happening, but like there were some dark times leading up to this, you know, and that, you can make it through it. And um, yeah, I mean, I used to kind of want to be, you know, it's maybe a, a little bit of a leap from positive punk to <laughs> in my darkest hours where I found my power, but. <laughs> you know, you, you, you completely understand the power that music can have on people. And uh, even if it's the most negative sounding song in the world for a person that might be what drags them out of a particularly dark day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's been cool, man, because I have had um, several people reach out and, you know, friends or some people that have just maybe, you know, made comments online that 
um, this song is, is emotional and that like, it makes them feel a certain way. And I really wanted to, um, I mean, that means a lot to me, you know, that like, um, that it's hitting people in the feels a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we, you could, you could want to sell a million records and yeah, that'd be great to sort you out financially and all that, but I'm not a, I'm not a musical artist. I've got no, no dog in the race, but I, I always imagine the most important thing would be to get a singular message from a person that says, Hey, your track really helped me out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it does. It, that means a lot. It really means a lot. Anytime that I get a message, even just the fact that people listen and they tell you that they like it is one thing, but when somebody, you know, and that's, that's awesome. Like I, I welcome those messages, but when someone says, Hey, that, that really helped me out or that, you know, I, I teared, some people have told me I've teared up when I listened to it. Like I cried a little bit. Like, I mean, that means that the emotion is coming through and it's connecting with people and that, that means more to me than anything, for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you do you have a kind of talking about emotional connection for yourself? Do you kind of have go to artist or go to track or go to album that you kind of if you're feeling in that mood where you want to get a little bit I would say tearful, but you want to f- feel again? Do you have a particular thing you go for? Uh yeah. I mean, um, for more so for me, it's like energetic stuff. Um, if I'm really there, uh, strung out, twisted by design, I think came out in 1998. Um, super fast punk, a little metal. Um, uh, I can throw that on, and I know every word. I like, I know every riff. I'll play air guitar to that. Like, um, and yeah, I've got, I've got a few sad songs as well. Where <laughs> if I'm, if I'm, if I'm like, <laughs> if if I'm feeling like man, I really need to get some, I, I need to get some tears out. I need to cry. I need to have a good cry. I definitely have my go-to songs where I'm like, if I can put this song on, I will end up crying. <laughs> <laughs> what about the opposite then? What about the time when you, you what, what, do you have a track in mind where you just, that positive, upbeat vibe just makes you feel that little bit taller? Wow. Uh... <laughs> it's my favorite song is not a punk rock song it's not a punk rock song uh-huh. um it's called uh it's marvin gay and it's um <laughs> ain't no mountain high enough by marvin oh, gay well, i mean it's if marvin gay so it, yeah dude if i put that on i will be on cloud nine for the for like at least an hour <laughs> no i get it i get it absolutely i mean it's marvin gay there's a voice that can send you either way in you know incredible incredible so 2021 then what you else what else do you have in the work that you you'll that you can share with us that you want to talk about what's what's going on for the rest of the year sure sure yeah thank you um so i have another single that i'll be coming out that'll be coming out soon i'm thinking probably in may maybe the middle of may um i'll release another single and then uh, I'm going to go, I would like to go back in the studio. I'm going to record three more songs and uh, put them out as the five song EP. So um, by the end of the year, um, my goal is to have out a five song EP. And then next year, I know this is a little ambitious, but I would love to do a full length album um, in 2022. So, okay. 
Let's see, I got a lot of songwriting to do, but <laughs> I was about to ask you. Well, yeah, I was gonna. What's so ambitious about putting out an album next year? Is it just the the songwriting aspect? That you've oh, got yeah. to get the stuff together. It's just yeah, it's just getting it all together. I mean, it, even um, you know, I'll have five good, really, really good songs um, that I'll mm. put out by the end of the year. Um, this is the first one. What's left of me, um, but you know, out of these five songs, I probably wrote 30. Oh. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, and, and some of them were good. Some of them were bad. Um, but this is like the best, these are the five that made it out of those 30, you know? So, um, it's like, and that, a lot of that was leading up to this. Um, now I feel like I've, I'm, I've gotten so much better at songwriting and knowing what I want and, and how I, how the songs flow and, again my confidence is back like I'm, I've gotten much better at um just being a confident songwriter and saying okay this is a good song like I like it if I like it that's a, probably a good song that other people will like it if I think it's catchy if I catch myself humming it if I find myself wanting to listen to it um even if it's like you know unreleased if it's just in my dropbox or something like that like mm. i know that that's probably a good sign that other people are going to like it too so um it, i know that i'm doing a lot of writing that's that's the thing and and then recording in the studio i've never you know i've only really recorded two or three songs at a time so going in it's going to be multiple days in the studio if i do it on the weekends it's going to be multiple weekends mm. like you know it's just going to be it's just a, lo a lot of a bigger project than recording a, a two or three songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People who listen, who enjoy the music, forget the work that goes into it. Those, I gotta ask, those other 25 songs though, the ones that you decided you didn't like, do you effectively throw them in the bin or do you put them to the side to potentially look back on in a year or two time and think maybe I can tweak and make that one this? Yes, I do. I do. Um, I do exactly what you said. I don't completely throw them away because there might be a good chorus or a good verse or a good riff or breakdown or there might be a part of the song that oh I really liked that one part but I didn't like the rest of the song so um yeah I definitely save them I have um I have them all in my Dropbox so I do go back and listen to and it's actually really cool to go back um around the time it's been two years now since I started recording things in GarageBand um you know, recording demos, uh, you know, fully fleshed out. So to go back to some of those old songs that I first wrote like two years ago, compare them to the ones now, it's cool to see how I've progressed and improved and that type of thing. So, and, and those songs, again, like, I don't feel like they're necessarily bad. Mm. They're just not a good representation of where, of where I'm at now, you know? So it's kind of like this little digital, like scrapbook of, of songs. <laughs> Plus, plus, further down the line, when you've got a ton more releases, you know fans love little B-sides and unreleased demos absolutely. and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would love to do that. Yeah, one of my favorite bands, the Get Up Kids, um, they're from the area. Yeah, they're from this area that I live in. Um, uh, not far from here, anyways. Um, other side of the state. They put out an album um, in the early 2000s that was like, all they put out a few a couple singles on it you know that were like newer songs but that the, all the rest was like old demos and songs that covers songs that never really saw the light of day b-sides that were hard to find and it was really cool you know it 
there would be outtakes here and there on some of the songs and it would just be really cool to 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 do something like that down the line for sure absolutely it is fan service and that's what they want what about what about i mean i know this is impossible to predict but what what would you i guess like to do in regards to potentially live shows this year or into 2022 do you have a kind of goal in mind yeah absolutely i would love to um you know later this year when things get a little bit better here um i would love to do a, a an ep release show and um really you know have find a venue here and just try to get as many people as i possibly can um i would love to play for a couple hundred people if i could um and and play an awesome show um, mm. when i first started this project our first show was at a place that only held maybe like 60 people and we packed it out we just absolutely packed it out and um i love small shows like that like that was definitely intentional to like hey let's get a small venue and get as many people in there as we can it was really fun absolutely but uh next year you know if if we're if things go the way that they're going and still stay positive and things are opening up uh, i would love to do like just a few little tours here and there even if it's just a weekend um you know it would be so awesome to um like i said there's people all around that are listening to this song now it's not just in st louis where i'm from so it would be really cool to um you know do a little weekend where we you know maybe we hit some places in texas or um if we make our way up to chicago and back or um, mm. something like that so i would love to do a little like four-day weekend here and there um you know, the guys in my band, we all, we all have girlfriends or wives and we all have full-time jobs. So it's a little difficult to kind of make it work, but I would love to find a way to make it work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's all about making it work in your lives. Cause I'm just thinking, well, come on guys. If you had like a year's worth of planning and you all got a week off work, there's a plane, you jump on the plane and there's, a, there, you can, you can travel around Europe very, very quickly. You can drive in a couple of hours and be in a completely different country. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah, I would love to do that. That that would be, I would love bucket list. Before I die, I would love to mm. go over to Europe and play some shows. Uh, I've heard that there's like, you know, I lived in Norway, like I said, and, um, there's some like, uh, there's some, there's a really good like black metal death metal scene in Norway, from what I know, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't too much involved in it. But like, um, and, you know, I, I would love to play some of the venues over there and like hit up Germany and there's just, I've heard in some of the cities over there, it's really good. Punk scenes are really thriving. And um, yeah, I'd love to make my way over there at some point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even our, our country here, the UK, obviously its own history with punk and the grittiness and so on would fit in nicely. Probably not so much to positive messages because we're a miserable bunch in the UK. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, you can cheer some people up, right? <laughs> I will. So we'll come to the end now and we're going to touch upon the stuff that we kind of cover on the website. Now we've, we've, we've discussed the musical side, so we'll push the, that to the side. And the other two areas we cover is video games and horror movies. Let's go yeah. to horror first. First things first, horror movies. Do you watch? Do you enjoy? Um, yes and no. So I'm, I'm a little like when I'm watching a show, especially a horror movie, I get so into it that mm. it, it puts me on edge, you know? Um, but some of the good ones, since I knew I was going to be doing this podcast, a show that I was never, a movie I was never allowed to watch as a child, I went back and watched Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, uh, with Freddy Krueger. 
And <laughs> honestly, it's a lot different now than, you know, as an adult um, than it was when you're watching it as a kid. I have to admit, I laughed a lot. <laughs> it's a little silly, but when I was a kid, Freddy Krueger absolutely terrified me. I was terrified of Freddy Krueger. Um, uh, I, I watched the two, um, the It movies, um, with Stephen King. Um, I watched those when they came out. I thought those were really good. Um, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not super into the genre. You know, I'm not, I don't know a ton, but like I watch some of the big ones, you know? Mm. Yeah, well, this isn't about tripping you up and trying to make you go, why don't you know this movie? Because ah. uh, that'll be, that would be insane. We actually run a completely different set of videos where it's called Desert Island Dregs. And in that you end up having to nominate and so on. And people always tend to choose the, the hits, be it Nightmare on Elm Street, Alien, Friday the 13th. The, the stuff for a lot of people we kind of grow up on. You said as well, you, you, you as a kid, for some reason, everybody tells the same story, which was, yeah, I saw these movies as a kid. And it's like, these movies were rated 18 or R in your country. Yeah. And it's like, why were we seeing them as children? I know I, I saw know. those movies when I was like seven or eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or even when I, I was really into it when I was a teenager, I watched um, all the Scream movies. And then um, like, I know what you did last summer. Those were always fun to like, whenever you're a teenager, it's like, oh, let's mm. go be scared. And Blair Witch Project was really big when I was uh, in high school too, so. Well, sticking with it then, what what in horror scares you then? What kind of makes you uncomfortable? You talk about sitting on edge when you're watching one, but what is there a specific type or a specific style or a specific event that occurs, you know, a trope, so to speak? It's more of the suspense for me. Like, um, that's why I feel like, you know, it's that it's that feeling of like, you know, something's going to jump out or some, you know, it, it's that feeling where you're, it, you're so into it and you're watching it and then like, the killer jumps out of nowhere and you freak out. It's like, it's that feeling that gets me for some reason. Um, and then when I was younger, you know, like you watch a movie that really scares you and it sticks with you for several days afterwards and you can't sleep because you think mm. Freddy Krueger is going to come get you in your dreams or Pennywise is just like down the hall, you know, like um, I will have to admit that I have woken up in the middle of the night in my apartment by myself and been afraid that Pennywise is going to get me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mate. I completely agree. I'm. I. I don't go a day or two without watching some form of horror movie, a new one, or something that I need to do for a YouTube video. And I'll still sometimes go to sleep and wake up, in the morning thinking, did I really just have a dream slash nightmare about something horror related? Like me, you know, of all people, um, yeah. I would almost say I'm desensitized to it, so it's still a surprise. Sure, sure. <laughs> what about zombies? What about zombies? Because zombies is the most important aspect of our website. Um, uh, I really liked Zombieland. Mm -hmm. uh, I was watching um, Walking Dead up until like when the uh, up until when Negan came in, and then I kind of lost interest. Um, but Same I really, place. I really loved Walking Dead for a while. Mm. I was really, really into it. Um, yeah. Have you seen The Return of the Living Dead, 1985 movie? I have not. That that's that's a recommendation. It's a, it's a it's a it's a very it's a, got an incredible punk rock soundtrack. Oh, okay. um, famous, yeah. In fact, I've got it on LP behind me. Uh, that like loads of punk bands on that stuff. Uh, 
um, that plays in the movie as well. And it's got a very punk rock spirit with a bit of comedy. It's very gory, very violent, very adult. Um, it, it literally inspired our title. The brains part you see with the three R's and the three <laughs> yeah. A's, that comes from that movie. And okay. I don't know if you can see it, but I've even got it tattooed on me. <laughs> That's how oh, iconic that movie is. <laughs> so yeah, if you get, get time, check that one out. Will do. Video games then. So we try to cover video games as much as we possibly can. And we, amongst us, the group, we basically predominantly play Xboxes and Nintendo Switches. What's your console of choice? Oh, I have a Nintendo Switch. So ah, uh, okay. yeah. I recently just started playing um, Apex Legends. That gets a lot of flack. I've never played it, but I'm sure that get, game gets a lot of flack. Why do you? Oh, why so? In that people don't enjoy it, or that it was a ripoff. I'm not too. Oh, I, yeah. I know the game. It's it's just definitely. Um, I think it's very similar to like Fortnite. Um, right. That's it. And, yeah, but it's kind of more of a. Um, you know, Fortnite. I tried to play Fortnite. I had no idea what was going on in Fortnite. Um, I tried to play and, um, you know, Fortnite kind of has this goofy feel to it. It's kind of like, it feels like it's geared towards younger kids. It, it definitely seems fun. I'm not knocking it. I haven't played it even that much. So, uh, but Apex has kind of more of a, feels like a serious tone. Um, mm. I will say this, like I had, uh, so I, I, I used to play Call of Duty on Xbox, um, like Modern Warfare 2, Black Ops, that kind of thing. Um, Old so school. I, yeah, yeah. I like the old school first person shooter. Like, um, I like and I like playing online. I just think it's fun. It's like, you know, I like um, these are games that like you have to get good at, you know, you mm. have to practice and you have to play a lot in order to get good. So when I started Apex Legends, though, I had absolutely no idea. Like, there's this ring, you have to stay in the ring. Or if you don't like this heat wave kind of like comes in on you and like, forces you to get back in the ring so it's like you know you have all these it, it's it forces the teams to like as the ring gets smaller it for you can't hide like basically that you have to get out and fight and so it gets really suspenseful like last night i've played a little bit and um i won i won a match uh i think i've only won a match like two or three times and i've only once or twice i've been alive when i've won <laughs> so uh, or my team has won so um but it gets really suspenseful when it gets down to just you your squad and another squad in this tiny little area um so it gets it you know my heart starts beating a little fat it's like i'm watching a horror movie my heart starts beating i'm like oh my god what, are we gonna win what's gonna happen like like <laughs> i'm oh shit i'm dying right now like what's going on like i'm gonna let the whole team down like we made it so far and you know, the rounds, if you make it to the end of a round, it'll last like, you know, if you win, it's like 20 minutes wow. um, straight, just of straight, you know, running around trying to find gear. It's just, it, it um, if anybody's listening and that hasn't played it and wants to give it time because it, it took me a solid week of just dying and not knowing what the hell I was doing. And I, I looked up, I started looking up a lot of videos on YouTube on how to play it. And now that I've kind of know what I'm doing, it's a lot more fun. Because the daunting thing with that game and the likes of Fortnite, as I said, is, is if you didn't jump on it when it was first there, to dive in now 
is incredibly terrifying. Really hard. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a pretty steep learning curve. There's so much in the in these games these days. It's not like, oh, you, you have Mario and you're, you know, it's not mm. like on, on the original Nintendo where you're just like moving a little man across the screen. It's like there's this giant world and there's all these different kinds of weapons and different you know special things that each character can do and it's just it's absolutely it's almost too much to take overwhelming yeah it's overwhelming so you have to just give it time and then over time you learn and um and i will say also there's thousands of youtube videos if you just type in how to play uh, apex legends or how to play Fortnite. um i watched a couple of those videos and i was much better i'm also a very big pinball player oh okay yeah, I like to play pinball, and um, there's a lot with pinball, too. It can be a little overwhelming with that, but I watch, um, there's a lot of YouTube videos on how to play pinball, too. So. There's a YouTube video for everything. <laughs> Anything yeah. you want to do in the world is someone has done a video for. <laughs> for sure. So, like, multiplayer games in general, then, is that always your go-to style of video game you wish to play? Um, not always. I, I like just solo games, too. Um, I was playing The Legend of Zelda um, Breath of the Wild for a while. Um, uh, I played this really cool game. One of my favorite games on the Switch is called Cuphead. Oh, of course, Cuphead. Yeah, incredible. So fun. And just beautifully done. Beautifully Mm. done. Mm. So what's it? I rage quit. I rage quit (laughs) that several times. I I quit for two weeks one time. I was so mad at the game. I didn't play it for two weeks. And there's a chance that when you came back after those two weeks, whatever made you mad, you were able to do like that. Yes, exactly. I don't, I don't know what that is, but. <laughs> yeah, they always say that if you, if, you, if you spend an hour, two hours stressing at one particular point, put the controller down, go away, come back a day and uh, in a calmer mind and you'll probably get straight past it. Yeah, it's so weird how that works. What, what's been there? Uh, what's been what to date has been your favorite multiplayer experience? Oh man, I really, I really did enjoy the, the, um, okay. Well, I wish the Switch would do this. I love the old GoldenEye, James Bond for Nintendo 64. I, I, it would, I mean, I don't know why they're not doing it, but mm. they should release that on the Nintendo Switch and have mm. it be online because that, that was, I spent hours playing that when I was in high school, um, Goldeneye. Um, but I really enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed the old Call of Duties too. Like Modern Warfare 2 was, was the first one that I got. And um, I would play that all the time when I was, when I was younger. Um, I mean, I know that's, that's going back maybe 15 years or something like that, but um, it was so fun. It, it, it's, it, it's, I don't know, it was just a fun game. And I like, um, I like getting on there with friends, you know, I have friends in different parts of the country and I like getting on there with people and playing together as a team. I mean, you are, right, it was a while back, but it was the simplicity back then. You didn't have the wealth of stuff that you have now, be it free-to-play elements and loot boxes and all these things that kind of Absolutely. put you off the modern experience. What about um? What about single player then? What's what when you would you look at if someone said to you, "Oh, effectively name me your favorite single player experience." Um, one of my the the one that comes to mind right now is uh, Assassin's Creed. Oh, 
the I first really game? Uh, just the whole franchise. Like, I, yeah. I, would, I would say, um, like, the Black Flag one was really good. Um, that one was probably one of my favorites. But, um, yeah, I, I really liked the Assassin's Creed games for sure. Like, um, Assassin's Creed 2, you know, when they have the first game, it's kind of like, they add to them as as time goes on, you know what I mean? And those can be really overwhelming too, but mm. I feel like Assassin's Creed 2 really stands out to me as like a good one. Um, I don't remember a lot of the parts of the story, but I like that there was this element of, you had side missions and then you had like a main story that you could follow and you could level up your character with your armor and like outfits and stuff like that. Um, and then you had like these, uh, temples that you have to go into it that, mm. that you have to, like climb to get to the top of the temple and get some kind of shrine or urn or something and and Zelda has that as well has those little like kind of it's like very classic dungeon stuff isn't it yeah yeah like puzzles you had to figure out and um another one another uh, good single player game is uh um batman arkham asylum from the, the xbox 360 those batman games all of them were good but the original batman arkham asylum like i remember playing that and thinking like i was i was sad when it was over it was so mm. much <laughs> no i agree they're incredible incredible games um yeah with assassin's creed as well like it's often because that franchise is so bloated now with so many games it's almost impossible to keep up but the period you're talking about was probably the period as well where I found myself obsessed with it with Assassin's Creed 2 and uh, Ezio's storyline, Black Flag with the the addition of the ships and stuff like that. It's incredible yeah, experiences. So cool. Yeah, so cool. What about, and this is another question that you're going to have to think about, what about a game? This is a big deal for us. A game that you feel emotionally connected to, be it because of something that occurred in it or just something that almost has nostalgic value to you for that reason. Mm, mm. Man, that's a that is a really really good question. So a, a game that like really means something to me. Mm, yeah. Oh, it's a tough one, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think about something that. Um, one of the <laughs> this is gonna sound so silly um, when. Did you ever play Gears of War? Of course, yeah. Uh, when, uh, okay, oh, no, okay, I've got a good one. I've got a good one. So Gears of War, when Dom dies in, I think it's in Gears of War 2 or 3, um, that was pretty sad. Um, yeah, 3. I, I was, uh, and that game is pretty cool. Like, mm, absolutely. <laughs> those are pretty fun games, but I will say, uh, a game that really is near and dear to my heart, and I haven't played it in a long time, is Resident Evil 4, Zombies. Um, <laughs> and why it is, is um, when that game came out, I, I had it on GameCube, and um, my best friend Jacob, who plays bass in my band, um, uh, he would come over to my house. We were like 23, 22, 23 at the time, and he would come over to my house and we'd have a six pack of beer and we would just, I would play the game and he would kind of guide me through and, and we would just talk. And um, it, it's not necessarily that game. I mean, that game is really fun and it's, mm. it's suspenseful and it's actually pretty scary. I've played that. <laughs> we were talking about being scared earlier. Like I would play that with the lights off sometimes 
and <laughs> turning it off and then the walk from like the couch to the bathroom was scary <laughs> it's like is a zombie gonna jump out at me um but yeah we just had some really good times over that game and and really had a lot of fun with it it was it's a really cool game i'm glad to hear that we we like to ask that question as well because it's got that kind of thing where it triggers something in people's head not so much about oh this scene made me sad or that particular event made me sad but most people even if they don't play games anymore grew up playing them and would have some connection to be at family or to friends and go oh, yeah you mentioned Goldeneye earlier on playing that in high school and all I thought was yeah me and I I have several brothers all around the same age and uh, we played Goldeneye split screen and we would create our own variations on the game in multiplayer where it was like okay this is probably yeah. some of your minds only that kind of situation yeah yeah you know? yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's weird. I feel like gaming is often the only media that can allow that level of nostalgic flashback. You know, you yeah, get nostalgia for, for everything else, but not not that same way, it seems. For sure. For sure. Yeah, because I think you remember different times that you played with people, like um, you know, different like what I was even just saying about my friend, me and my friend Jacob, mm. you know, I it's not necessarily the game, it was like the that summer, all summer long, he would just come over and we'd get a six pack of beer and we just hang out and, and talk. And, um, you know, we, I don't, I'm not a smoker anymore, but we, my parents live out by the lake. We'd walk down to the lake and smoke cigarettes. And like, you know, it was just one of those like early twenties, nostalgic experiences, you know, that's a nice like, memory. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now the problem is when you're a grown up, you just don't have the bloody time to sit there and put the amount of hours. Sometimes some games yeah. demands, you know? Yeah. No joke. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, what was the latest big cyberpunk? Cyberpunk, that one. I took one oh, look at that and went, where the hell am I going to find the time to do this? <laughs> yeah, I haven't played it. I mean, it looks cool. It does. I, it does. Right. We're going to wrap up then. And podcasts. Podcasts, podcasts. So you've mentioned a couple of times podcasts. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. Um, podcasts that I listen to or. Um, well, so I just was listening earlier today. There's this podcast that um, if you want to, uh, if you're interested in like love and relationships mm -hmm. um, or even just kind of like personal development, there's this guy who does a podcast called The Love Drive. Right. And it's, it's really interesting. It's really, I'm really interested in like psychology and self-help and spirituality in a way, um, you know, if that's what you want to call it, um, personal improvement, that kind of stuff. So um, he has a really good podcast. Um, the Daily Stoic is also just a good like three minute podcast that you can listen to every day. It's something really cool to start your day with. Um, of course, I listen to, um, well, I haven't listened to him in a while, but I used to listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. Um, oh, he right. Like, yeah. He was kind of the OG podcaster. Um, I, I have my own podcast, but I haven't put on it this year yet. I, it's called, it's just called Wes Hoffman with Friends. So, um, you know, but I have a bunch of episodes up. So if you want to listen to it, it's on Spotify and um, Apple Podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Well, um, plug it. Tell me about it. Tell us about yeah. this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of it is, um, it's pretty free form. A lot of it is just me talking with my friends about like um, a lot of that stuff that I mentioned, like, you know, what, how did you get through this dark time? Um, you know, how, what are, what are some of the things, what are you going through right now? How are you getting mm. through it? Like, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? And then I also talk to bands and musicians as well and kind of dig in with them, like, 
you know, what is it that keeps you guys going? And, um, you know, how did, you know, kind of going into a more deeper, like, uh, what's the reason behind why you do what you do kind of type thing. Um, so I've been doing it for a while. I did, I did, um, I had another podcast for a long time with um, several of my friends called The Strange House. Um, we've since taken everything down, but we, we, uh, we like went on the Vans Warped Tour for a few days and interviewed a bunch of bands there. And we, um, we would, you know, when bands would come through town, we would interview them. Um, and that was really fun as well. So I just really like talking to people. <laughs> if you haven't noticed. <laughs> no, that's, that's amazing. What stopped you putting out so far this year? Just, just time? Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I just got so into putting the music out that I mm. kind of lost track on um, putting out some episodes, but I was actually just thinking now that my song is out, um, I want to do an episode where, you know, sometimes my, my podcast is just me talking as well. Um, and it's me talking about what I'm going through um, for um, for a while. I was just putting in my, this sounds a little, might sound a little weird, but I would just put in my AirPods and go for a walk around the park and talk about what I was experiencing and um, you know what I was going through and different things that I had learned about myself or about um, you know how about my perspective, how I view the world. Like um, I'm always reading books, like um, personal development books, self help. My I'm really into mindfulness and meditation, so a lot of times I'm talking about that kind of stuff. Um, mm. So I feel like now I actually have just been thinking about, and I've been doing a lot of podcasts recently. Um, <laughs> so I've been thinking maybe it would be nice to put on an episode and just kind of talk a little bit about where I'm at. And now, now I feel like my podcasts almost become just a way for me to communicate with people in a different way. You know, I mean, it's there, it's a tool to be used and uh, you, 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 why wouldn't you use it? Yeah. <laughs> what it's always a strange experience for me to speak to someone anyone who eschews the values of meditation things like that mm -hmm. i can't relate i can't quite cotton onto it and you're not the first person that said hey try this and do this and all that i'm sitting there going i can't picture how i could ever shut my mind off mm -hmm. because i'm always doing something and mm -hmm. i'm not alone that it's a lot of people's problem when it comes to yeah. starting that what advice do you give to kind of if you wanted to start getting into meditation stuff like that yeah absolutely um and and on you know you're not the first person who's told me that too because i i will recommend it to people and i've been meditating every day for five years almost wow. 10 minutes a day um sometimes 45 minutes some you know sometimes i you can just really get to this point where you're like there's just nothing happening in here and you're just you know um i i would say in the same way that we were talking about games like apex legends and all the, all that like it takes time and and um the first time i sat down to meditate i was like this isn't doing anything for me you know mm. but i committed to like doing it for 10 days and by the end of that 10 days i started to look forward to um and i was i i felt the exact same way that you did i feel like there's always something going on in my mind i'm a deep thinker i have I have a good memory. I'm always thinking about something funny or something weird or cringy that happened in the past. Um, I'm, and, and, and uh, you know, it's really helped me even deal with dealing with my emotions and stuff like that. So I would just say, um, you know, 
it's not going to happen if you just sit down and try to meditate one time. Like, um, it, it takes, it's something that you, it's a practice. That's what I always say is like, um, you know, they talk about meditation is, uh, you know, you have a meditation practice. It's like, you never fully get to this point where it's like, oh, I am, I mean, it gets easier and easier to meditate over time, but it's something that you just practice, you know, and, um, and it's not for everybody either. Like some people, you know, when I, I talk about meditation on social media and stuff, people will say, oh yeah, well, you know, when I ride my dirt bike, I feel like I'm meditating and like, there's nothing else happening in my mind, mm. but I'm riding my dirt bike. And I feel like that's like my meditation for me or skateboarding or, um, you know, it could be, I think everyone has something like that, that when you're doing it, everything else kind of starts to like, melt away a little bit but um yeah it's something it's and I'll be honest like some days I sit down to meditate and 10 minutes is over and I'll be like that didn't do anything like I I was just sitting here thinking the whole time some days it's harder to shut my mind off than others and then other times I'll sit down and I'll close my eyes and I, I, it'll feel like a blink of an eye went by and 10 minutes really? passed. like it's yeah it's really really weird it just really depends on what's going on at the time. And if something is really bothering me, it's harder. It, it's harder to, to shut that off because your ego is popping up saying, hey, you need to think about that dude that pissed you off or you need to think about this thing that's bothering you or you need to worry about how you're going to pay this next bill. Like mm -hmm. these are all things that are going on in our minds all the time. And like meditation is just the practice of watching those things and like letting them pass instead of like, you know, when you think, if you're like, oh, how am I going to pay this next bill? You can immediately go into a downward spiral of anxiety and worry and frustration and depression. You know, meditation is, is supposed to be the tool that teaches us like, hey, even though I'm having that thought, I'm not going to act on it. I'm not going to go into that downward spiral. I'm just going to view it and leave it, let it be, you know, so it takes time. <laughs> And it's not for everybody. Let me just say that. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's very, very, yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. Good advice. So that's about it, really. Oh, actually, it reminded me. While you were talking about podcasts, a thought flew in my head, and this is just small world stuff. I listened to a podcast that's based out of St. Louis. Oh, who is, what is it? Well, first thing, oh, I wanted to check. Is there more than one St. Louis in America? Do you know? Is that likely? There's more than one, but St. Louis, Missouri is like yeah yeah <laughs> it's called it's called horrible horror podcast oh i've never heard of it <laughs> okay it's just two two dudes two dudes apparently live in late st louis uh talking shit shit about crap horror and uh i don't listen to many podcasts but it's one that's always entertained me for the last few years and it just when when you were talking about podcasts it flew in my head i was like oh my god that's that's they said they're from there <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <laughs> your bloody neighbors and you wouldn't know yeah no that's funny that is small world yeah, Wes, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you. This was a lot of fun. I hope someday I get to meet you. Thank you very much for watching. You can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Tumblr. Go to Patreon to help us out over there. That's patreon.com forward slash gbhbl as well as Big Cartel where you can find some of our merchandise. We have a podcast running on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you like this video, do us a favour, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. Games, horror and heavy metal, what else is life for?